Well, really good to see everyone. I'm going to carry on with the, uh, the Elijah series, uh, as you probably may have guessed. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about the God who whispers. I'm going to be talking from the first Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 18. So that's, that's the passage I'm going to be talking to you all about. Um, it was such a lovely service this morning. I mean, it's so lovely to actually just, just have communion. Um, and it's such a great reminder for each of us um, partake in the communion. I think that's it's it's such a it's such a is one of those intimate moments for me personally. Um, and then just flicking back to Elijah, um, Elijah is one of my also favourite passages in the scriptures, and not because I'm preaching today. It actually is because it's one of those really action-packed passages in the whole of the Bible where you know it's like watching a James Bond movie where someone's actually just rocking up and well, not someone Elijah's rocking up and you know God's actually doing something through a man, and it's just amazing to just. To just, to just read it and to see what God can do through us. Um, and and we, we saw all along from last Sunday, uh, you know, what, Eli, what, God was, what God did through Elijah. So God, you know, uh, the fire down from heaven. We saw a bunch of people actually bowing down and, and saying he is God. Um, then rain came back. Um, rain came back and fell on the grounds. So we, we read all about that. And... and you know, if you think about Elijah's career at that point, I think I think it was sort of peaking at that point. I mean, he was doing great stuff. He was, I mean, he was on a roll. He he was really just doing a lot of stuff. Um, and on, I just want to quickly just just read a passage from the previous chapter, and then I'm going to just connect it to what I'm going to speak. Um, in First Kings chapter 18, verses 39 to 40, it says, "When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord." He is God, the Lord, he is God. And in, verses 40, and in verse 40, it says um, that Elijah then basically went and killed all the prophets of Baal. Um, and, it's, and it's just interesting how there was that moment of surrender where everybody who was there to just see all of those things, everyone just fell on their faces and, and had that fear of God in them for that moment. And it was like, wow, this is a God moment. And they actually realized this is God. This is actually God. And, and if I were Elijah, I would probably look and go, well, this is great. This is really good. God's actually moving. God's finally getting these bunch of people to fear God, to look God. And I just assume, this is my assumption, this is my Jepsonized version of the story. I would assume Ahab, who was that really cruel man, was also in the midst, I'm assuming. And Ahab would have also maybe, you know, bowed down before every, bowed down and said, this is God. I'm just assuming. I mean, obviously, you know the story where, well, not the story, but the fact that Jesus, when Jesus was, was met by all the people who was trying to take him hostage and take him uh, uh, the night before he got, well, the night he got betrayed, and when he said, I am he, pretty much all of them just backed off and just fell on their faces. And, but then you go, well, he just said, I am the person you come to arrest. And so it's that, it's that moment of surrender that people had. And I would just assume if Ahab was there, he would also have that equal surrender. And so in, in Elijah's mind, everything was going well. Ahab may have surrendered or maybe he, had, he came to terms. The rain came back, so he went back into the town. And he may have even had a good reception from all the people. All along, he was maybe seen as an enemy. But now he's sort of, yeah, wow. You know, he's probably getting that reception from people. So things may have been going really well for Elijah. Um, but, then, but then we read this chapter 19 where he gets a knock on the door and something really unexpected happens. And we're going to 
Uh, we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 3, and it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent mes the messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. You know, the first point that I want to actually talk about is sometimes things can go pear-shaped. Um, sometimes things don't just go to your plan. And my assumption here is probably that Elijah was having a pretty good moment, as I said already, and, and all of a sudden he got this knock on the door saying, I'm going to take your life, by the way. And I, I feel he was least expecting that. He thought everything was going fine. I mean, if he had an inclination that something's going wrong, I think Elijah would have probably gone before even the knock on the door came. So sometimes, you know, the devil strikes when we least expect, or most of the time, some would say. And, and there is that need sometimes of us actually being and staying on the alert, saying, well, am I, am I, actually, am I actually waiting on God? Am I actually thirsting? Am I longing for God? And... and you know, sometimes we can be comfortable where we are at, maybe, maybe in our finances, maybe in our, maybe in our career, maybe in our work, where everything's going fine, everything seems to be working well in my relationships, everything's going well. And, or maybe you're on the other side where you're overcome by fear, or maybe you're fearful of what's actually going to happen tomorrow, or, or how things are going to take shape or evolve tomorrow because of all the things that's going on in your life. Now, you could, be, you could be on the either side of it. And, and I, just, I just want to encourage you today by, from, this, from, from the next verse, from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, and it says, Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit and of the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by brethren who are in all the world. You know, I mean, I was just assuming if this verse was stuck on the door before Elijah pulled the door and ran, I don't think he would make the run. I don't think he would run. I'm just assuming again, because this pretty much has got everything that he was going through. You're not alone, Elijah. You're, you're not alone. You're not suffering all alone by yourself. And, and get your anxiety on God. Just don't be fearful. I'm also talking to myself, by the way. Um, not just Elijah. Um, and he's saying, knowing that the experience of suffering are being... So it's just interesting. And, I, and I've just underlined all of those things there, which are basically actions that we need to take or actions we need to, we need to do. You know... I've got a lot of automatic direct debits that goes out of my bank account every month. Uh, I've also got subscription. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and I've also got some subscription that goes on auto-renew that auto-renews every month. But this is not one of those things that goes auto-renew in your spiritual prayer, in your spiritual walk with God. You need to do it intentionally, consciously, every waking moment. It's not good enough that you just check box and you prayed that morning and so it's all going to be fine. No. No, you need to be alert every waking moment. Every waking moment, you cast that anxiety. That thought comes to you. Give it to God. Because, God, this is, this is not mine. This is, I don't, this is not my battle. It's your battle. Wait, fight for me. 
It's actually giving it back to God, saying, God, you know it, you do it. Uh, and also just not falling for that lie that the devil always tries to say that you're alone in this. Are oh, you poor thing? You're alone. You're not. There are lots of other brothers in the same church or maybe outside who are actually suffering the same thing. So be encouraged, brothers. And in verses 7, I just love the, the why statement. Why do you need to do this? Why do you need to cast the anxiety on God? Why do you need to pray about this? Why? And in verse, in verse 7, it says, um, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, it says, for he cares for you affectionately, cares about you watchfully. He's waiting for you to actually, God's actually waiting for you to just come and just, just give that to God. Um, yeah, so, so that, and I think, I think we, can, we can surrender, you know, those areas. Maybe, maybe this is a moment where you can just reflect and say, where, where are those areas that, that I'm struggling? Or where are the areas that I'm fearful? Or where are the areas that may be comfortable? And maybe this is that moment where you can just, where you can just surrender to God. And the second point that I want to just touch on is um, make your cry known to God. Speak to him just plain and simple. Just don't faff around. Just speak to him clear, clean and simple. In, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses, in verse 4, it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. You know, we, 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 shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that Elijah was just quite similar to most of us. He was just a man. In James chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. He's, he, he, he's not a super, I mean, you, you, could, you could read all of the things that he did, call fire from heaven, stop the rain, bring the rain. I mean, you, you, could, probably be, you could probably think, oh, wow, he is a superhuman. He's one of, he is similar to us. And it's also an interesting dynamic. A chapter before Elijah called the fire, he did all of those things. And he was so confident and he was mocking the prophets of Baal saying, come on, where's your God? You know, what happened to him? Is he sleeping? What, what, or is he relieving himself? Where, where is your God? But in this passage, just a few verses down, you, you can see an Elijah who's fearful and he's running for his life. There's a change. There's a change all of a sudden. What happened? What happened? Um, and it's interesting, he forgot. He forgot what God did through him. And that's what sometimes fear can do. Sometimes fear can just make you lose your confidence. It can make you forget what God has done in the past, what, what, God is, what, is God, what God's able to do through you, and starts comparing yourself, of, oh, I'm not capable, I'm not as good as that person, am I? Or am I not, I'm, not good as, I'm not good as that person, they, they're really successful, or I'm alone in this fight. And you start, you start speaking those lies over your life. And, and sometimes you can, you can get carried away in, in, that, in that thought. Interestingly, Moses had a similar, similar moment of prayer. In, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 14 to 15, it says, I'm alone, I'm not able to carry all of this because it's too burdensome for me. Elijah was in a similar fight. He was also fighting and he was also asking God to take my life away. And interestingly, both the answers were, no, I'm not going to take your life. And, and it's interesting how... They both got in the same, that same threshold of, I'm, I'm wanting to give up. I'm not able to. Um, but, but it's also interesting how God's saying, I'm willing to still work through you. That's how God's position is always. Um, 
So, so fear can sometimes have that really terrible feeling in our lives sometimes. You know, it can leave that lingering moment of, oh, that moment when I experienced that fear. Fear can sometimes leave that imprint in your life. And today, I, I, just, I just want to ask you, um, what, what are those areas you've sort of called yourself out of? And he said, I'm not capable of it, or I'm not able to do it anymore. Or what, what are those areas that you've sort of peaked in your career and said, this is great, and now all of a sudden you're like, I'm not, I'm not wanting to do it anymore. I'm, I'm calling it quits. I'm, I'm leaving. You know, God's, God's got a better plan for you. If you're in that place, I want to encourage you. God's got you. And hopefully at the end of the sermon, you, you would know that God's really wanting to encourage you, those people who've, who've wanted to quit. Um, the third point that I wanted to talk about is God sustains. In the previous point, you've, we've read about Elijah praying. And I, and I feel, me personally, I feel like that prayer was a surrender to God. It, it was not just a few random words um, that he just spoke. It was, it was literally his words of, I really am... Um, um, I'm in that moment where I just want to give up. And sometimes that's what God is also wanting you to just, just come as your simple self and actually lay it down before God and say, God, I'm not able to. And that's one of the things I wanted to just mention before. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 to 8, it says, He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, lay down. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And, and, this, is, and, this, is, and this is the best part that God's always willing and wanting to sustain us. God's always wanting to, to fill that gap. But what he actually wants, the only thing that he's waiting on for sometimes is that word of prayer or that word of God, I need your help. And that's it. And he will be, he will be right there with you. He's right there. But, he's just, but that one thing that he really needs is, can he just ask for me? And that's, and that's the same thing if you, if you look back to how Jesus taught his disciples of how, or to us how we need to pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And it's interesting because God's saying you need to rely on me every day. Don't rely on your resources. It's me you're relying on and I will give it to you. And he wants that constant relationship every day, even if it's just that daily bread you're asking for. He wants that relationship. That's what's, that's what's key here. And I feel like sometimes it's just that moment of surrendering. God, I'm fearful. Just give that to God. And sometimes God can, and, and God can just work through when you speak. And, and this, is, this is a classic example where Elijah just prayed those words, made it really simple, saying, I'm just in the words of giving up. And God just turned up. And he sustained Elijah with that food. And it's, and, it's, and it's just that such, an, such a, oh, I, I always read it and I just feel the love of God so much in, that, in, the, in those few verses where 
Elijah's broken, he's weary, he's tired, and then, the, and then the angel just turns up and gives him food, exactly what he needs, and a jug of water. It's very important to actually drink water with food. Uh, it's, it's from the Bible. Um, so it's just, it's really interesting how that love of God can just, it's, yeah, it always, always reminds me, and, um, and that's one thing I just want to encourage you as well, to not forget that God loves you. In Psalms 91, verses 4, he, it says, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. And, and his faithfulness, and, and this is one of the verses well that I, I spoke last Sunday um, as well about his faithfulness being a strong shield around you. And it's only, only the, the only gap between that and experiencing the shield of God is actually your prayer saying, God, I need you, and that reliance of God. The fourth point here is, what are you doing here? Uh, in First in Kings chapter 19, verses nine, in verse 9, it says, Then he came there to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, have you, have you ever... Have you ever been asked by your spouse or your, or your, um, or your you know, work colleague or your boss uh, or your friend to do something and then they come back and ask you, well, why did you do it? It's just, and, and then you go, well, you asked me to do it. it. Similar to that, the angel gave food twice to Elijah and he said, oh, you've got a really long journey. And it, and it may be that the angel would have said, well, you've got to go to Horeb, right? Oh, yes, okay, I need to go. Right, now go. He turns up, and then God's asking, what, what are you doing here? Like, you're asking me? You told me to turn up to the Mount of Horeb, and now you're asking what I'm doing. But I feel like God's actually going much deeper than, what are you doing here? He's asking Elijah a much deeper question of something that's going on on the inside of him that's manifesting on the outside. I don't think God called him to go to the cave. He chose to go to the cave. Because that, that shows the inside of his fear, his fear his, his, the fear that he was carrying, that he wants to hide away from people. These people want to kill me. He's fearful. He's overcome by fear. And, and that's why it manifests outside of him hiding out in the cave. And God asks that really deep question, what are you doing here? Because God, God and it's interesting how, and I'm probably going to come, come to this later, but God's that's not a condemning word at all. What, what, what on earth are you doing here? No, it's actually, what, what are you doing here, my child? And that's, that's the tone you, 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 need to, you need to bear in mind when you're, when you're reading it. Um, and, and it's also interesting that, you know, God, God, is, God does not have, he, he's not the kind of person that does small talks. He, he just goes straight, in the, straight into the, you know, he, he goes straight in the topic of, yes, what, what's going on. Um, so, so we can sometimes go hiding from people, and we can go sometimes hiding from God as well, and we've seen, we, we can see in this passage where Elijah was hiding from God, he was trying to hide from, from people. But even in the midst of that, I want you to just remind yourself that, you know, God's not given up. God still will look for you, he will still come searching for you. He's not going to give up, even when you're in the midst of, I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm hiding away from people, I'm fearful, I'm, I'm sick of all that's happening around us, around me. But God's not given up. God still came and asked Elijah, what are you doing here? He's a God who searches, he's a God who comes after 
because he's interested in you. He's interested in working in you. He's interested in working through you. And the next point is, the fifth point is, God is calling us up to the mountain. And in 1 Kings, I'm going to read this from verses 11 to 13. And it said, So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And this is what God says to Elijah. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the, ro the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in, the, in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And, and it's interesting how, you know, there was, there was the earthquakes, there's the wind, and there was all of these things. And it was just that gentle blowing where God chose to speak. And, and sometimes it's in that stillness that God wants to speak to us. It's in that stillness when you're just quiet in your soul and there's nothing else going around. And that's when sometimes God wants to speak to us. And, and, and in another translation, it says, in a soft, quiet voice, he spoke to Elijah. Isn't that amazing? Because that's exactly probably what Elijah wanted. He was fearful, he was scared, and he was worried of what, what is going on, what's going to happen next, and God just speaks to him in that still quiet voice exactly how he wanted to he probably hear and it was not a condemning voice either he was not saying oh are you afraid now Elijah or, or why did you run away what what did you do what what's going on he never asked those challenging questions or he didn't try and ask those condemning questions he just asked what, what are you doing here and and, it, and, it, and it's interesting, God asked the same question twice, and Elijah just asked us answered the same way. And I think he, he probably was a bit more defensive. He was like, just don't get, don't, I, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Those people are after my life, and they want to kill me, so I'm now here. What do you want? And I feel like you could translate that as being Elijah being probably a bit defensive. And, but God was not trying to get that defensive answer. God was just trying to say, no, 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 something more deeper than that, Elijah. That's why God asked him twice. Think about it a bit more. And, 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 it's in, and you know, God, God speaks through us in many ways. He can speak through us uh, and speak to us through his word, the Bible. Um, I'd encourage you to read the Bible because that is how God speaks. That's one of the ways, primary ways of how God can speak to us. Um, he can sometimes put a word in your heart. Sometimes he can put a word in your heart for that season. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you read a passage from Psalms or something saying be strong or be courageous. That's the word of God. That's God speaking. You don't need a big angel or some cloud coming, descending upon your head and saying, be strong and courageous. It's that word of God that's actually speaking. That's God speaking to you. Sometimes it can be just a thought. It could be a dream or something that God's actually speaking to you or through you to someone else. It can be different ways. He can even sometimes speak in, in, in a loud voice sometimes. I've, I've heard... Um, I think twice, thrice, a really loud voice. And all the time that I've heard, I was asleep. Uh, I was half asleep. 
um, and, and, and I heard a really loud voice. And there are different ways of how God speaks to you. But what's the most important thing following that is not to reject it. Um, because quite often you're like, ah, no, that's not God, is it? Um, but I think that's what I just want to encourage you. Just don't reject that voice, that still small voice actually speaking to you. It might be a word for someone else. It might be a word for yourself. Carry, hold it close to you and, and let, it, let it do its work in you. And, and I just want to stay on the same topic for a bit, you know, because and I think there's just something that I felt like God was actually speaking to me um, or just put in my heart as well. Um, because sometimes we can come into church um, and, you know, we, we can just sometimes turn up to church with a, with a virtual popcorn um, and just sit on the aisle somewhere on the corner and just, just watch the, you know, just listen to the music and just listen to the sermon and just walk away. Um, but I think God wants to do something more than just, just that through you all. Um, and, you know, I mean, if, if, you, if you walk into church and walk out without being encouraged and without having the opportunity to encourage someone else, I don't think this Sunday service is finished for you yet. I think there's something else to be done. So, I, and, I want to, and I want to encourage you, God can speak through you and to you, even in those moments. And I just want you to go and I would encourage you to just don't, don't, leave, don't leave Sunday, don't leave this place without encouraging someone else. Because that could be your encouragement. So that's, that's probably just one thing that I just want to encourage. In, 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 in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and, and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's so much of suffering out there. There's so many things going wrong. There's, so many, there's, there's enough of stuff that you need to manage. Yeah, I get it. But I think in that midst of it, when, you, when, you, when you're quiet in yourself and you receive, or you, or, you just, or you just pray, God, can you speak to me? I want to do something to that person. I want to encourage that person. What is that? What, what is the one thing that you're going to speak to me? And he will. You know, there's so many Sundays that I just turn up to Sundays and then go, oh, I don't want to lean into God today. I don't want to ask God for the word because I know for a fact when I ask, he will give something. And I'm like, I don't want to ask. I just want to sit there, just worship, and then go back. Done. And I get it. There are some Sundays where you just, you know, you just want to relax. But I think I've had those moments where I'm like, I just don't want to do anything. Um, and, and I feel like those are days that God actually wants to work something through you. Um, and, in, and the last, and in, this is my last, um, the last point. Um, God wants to use our fears as a stepping stone for your next season. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 15, it says, The Lord said to him, go return on your way. God gave four instructions to Elijah at that moment when, when he met him. One of the instructions was to go back. And there were three other instructions about anointing a couple of people and then taking Elijah on board, Elisha on board. The one instruction that sometimes we tend to miss is that God actually said, well, just go back. I'm with you. Don't worry. And that's what I think gave Elijah that confidence. Oh, okay, oh, yes, I forgot about that. I'm, I'm going back now. And, I, and he also then said, oh, by the way, I've got 7,000 other people there. So it's not just you. 
who, who is getting persecuted and worried about everything else going around. There are the 7,000 people who are persecuted the same way. Just imagine having Baal and all of those funny things going around you. There's persecution. There was just natural persecution of, oh my God, I believe in God, but these people don't believe. These people are doing all these kind of things. Just imagine that persecution that people had, but, but God, has, God has kept those 7,000 people away, and they, yes, they did go through an element of suffering. And you know, I was, I was questioning myself whilst I was reading the passage, you know, was Jezebel even trying to, yes, Jezebel was after Elijah's life, I get it, but, but was, what, was, was, that, was that actually a challenge to Elijah? Was that actually a challenge that, you know, maybe you turn up and show your God and then I will show as well who my gods are as well. Was that a challenge? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe she was really after him because, I mean, if I were Jezebel, I would just go and straight away kill Elijah. Like, I wouldn't send a messenger. Like, I don't waste time because Elijah is really good at disappearing. And, and I wouldn't waste time. I would just go and take his life straight away. But Jezebel sent a messenger. So I, I'm thinking maybe it could be a challenge. But then Elijah in his mind was fearful. The word of God says he was afraid and he ran and arose. He arose and ran. But it's also interesting how God intervened and turned it for good. Elijah was running away. He was running away. But God was like, uh-uh, you're not running away. You're meeting me. He turned it around. God turns it around. And that's one thing I want to encourage you, that today if you're fearful or you feel like you're just lost or you just don't know how to go ahead, God can turn it for good. It can be a meeting point for you to encounter God so that you can move over to your next season. God's not finished with you just yet. If you've been somewhere and you just feel like you're stuck, God's not done with you yet. He wants to propel you. He wants to use that fear to speak with you to, so that you have a God encounter so that you can move forward in life. He's not done with you yet. And, and for the first time, I feel like Elijah also had a moment where he thought, my enemies have got, got the better of me. They've got better power over me. But God says, no, you just go back. I'm with you. In Romans 8.28, and it says, And we know that God calls us all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And today, if you feel, and today, if you feel discouraged and fearful, I just want to again remind you again. I know I said this, but I'm going to remind you again. Do not be fearful because God can turn it for good. Peter was overcome by fear and he chose to betray him. We were talking about this in our groups last Sunday, uh, last Thursday. Peter was overcome by fear and he, he accepted to betray Jesus. But a couple of chapters down the line, he, he was the one who was bold and courageous saying, hey, folks, come on, come, come to God. And in, first, uh, in Proverbs 14, verse 26, it says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. It's not your knowledge. It's not your experience. It's not the years and years of experience that you have in this field or whatever. Just, just, just park that aside. It's actually that fear of God that gives you the confidence to move forward. There's nothing else. There's nothing else that can, that can beat that. Um, and in Psalms 144, verse 1, it says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual and it's an emotional one that God can train each of us for. If, if I can just maybe request maybe the band to come up uh, at, this, at this moment, um, Manuela and, and her team. Um, 
So, and, and maybe if I can just ask each of you to just close your eyes as well. Um, and as Manuela plays in the background softly, I just, I just want to um, just take this moment and just speak, speak into you. So if, if you are fearful today, if you've walked in here just not knowing how to go forward in life, or, or you're just fearful of what's going to happen or something's, something's not going the way you wanted it to, or you're desperate to hear the voice of God, you just want to hear God's voice, I want to just remind you, God's not here to condemn you. He can change the situation if you're willing and if you're willing to surrender. And He can make you bold and confident in the same areas you've called yourself out as weak and incapable. He's able to. Only if you're willing to see that, He can and He's willing. So if you identify yourself today of any of those groups of people that we just spoke about, fearful, running away, or you're comfortable and you just, or, or wherever you identify yourself in any of those areas that I've just spoken, I just want you to just, just, just lift your hands and lift your heart to God by this moment. And I just want you to, I just want to encourage those who've identified yourself in that same situation to just surrender your heart and just, just come to the throne room of God boldly because he's willing and he's wanting to work in you and each of us. Casting all your anxiety on him, just giving it away to God because he's able to do it through you. Just giving that fear of God, I want to give up, just give that to God. God, I'm not able to do with my finances, give that to God. I can't do this work because this work is way beyond my experience, give that to God. I can't do this work because I'm tired or I'm physically, I'm emotionally worn out, give that to God. God, I'm not able to serve my kids anymore, give that to God as well. Just bring it to the feet of God because He's able to make you strong. He's able to give you that courage. He's able to give you that confidence. I'm just going to pray now. But if you can just give that heart, that longing, that worry, that fear to God, He's able to fix it. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you so much for your encouragement. Thank you so much, Lord, because you're able to. You're so loving. You watch over us with so much love, and we thank you, God. And today we just want to bring to your throne room that, those areas that we're fearful or we're, or we're not really sure of. And we want to surrender those areas, God, at your feet. And we ask, Lord, would you do that work only that you can do? We just cast it at your feet, Lord. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for that still, small voice that's asking us to just keep carrying on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that healing. And we speak your wholeness over our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. And we speak your strength over us, Lord. And we thank you. You've already done that. In Jesus' name, amen.